2: What is up, Geek5Nation? This is your good friend, Dane, with another roaring episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Tonight on Wednesday, we're going to be going over some wrestling stuff, and then we're going to go over on SmackDown, and then, uh, well, by then, actually, it'll probably be the end of the show, so i will probably end the show. But uh, let me uh, introduce my my cohorts, my uh, friends, the guys that have no choice but to be on air with me, Christopher Ray Patton. Chris, how are you doing? Good, man. How about you? I drink some coffee if you can't tell. And of course, yeah. motherfucking Jawan!
3: <laughs> what's what's going on?
2: <laughs> that was
3: possibly the best introduction I've ever had in my life. I might record that and just play it everywhere I go.
2: I've probably I done like a majority up. of them, Jawan.
3: <laughs> hey, I
2: said your full name. <laughs> I only said Jawan's first name. But then again, was really a true. badass and you
1: only have one name. Hmm.
2: Yeah,
1: but his, his, his shit came off so much more hype. You made me sound like a fucking, this? like, How about this? Steel. You're CRP. <laughs>
2: you're, you're, you're CRP. That's, that's like your nickname, like like Triple H or HBK. You're CRP. So you out, like that? So no? out, Dane.
3: Dane, do you know how you just treated Chris? You just treated Chris like one of those wrestlers that doesn't get the full entrance? You just come back from commercial oh, the break and he's already in the ring? Yeah, and he's already <laughs> in the ring. That's not true. <laughs> that's what you just that's what you just did to Chris that like the dude from Ohio last week that again. Kevin
2: Owens kicked the shit out of. I, did, I, I didn't yes. mean it like that, Chris. I, th- I thought I thought by saying your name, you want you wanted me to be honest and make me look worse with Juwan right now. I fucking blanked out on his last name, so I just extended his name as long as I could do it and <laughs> to fuck it at the end. of it. So that's the truth. If you really want to be a jerk and make me explain, you know what just happened? You know what happens when you guys make me explain this type of shit? You just made a list. All right, <laughs> so both of you guys are the first two names on the list of Dane. And that's a very important <laughs> list. Either way, besides this ridiculousness, why don't we get into some topics, guys? Because we had a we have a lot going on right now in wrestling. We have a lot to talk about. Uh, it's been a fun time. So before we go over on SmackDown, because they were fucking awful, I'll just say it. I don't really care. Uh, they've been good, just, you know, this week for both of them. I just thought they were crap. Uh, let's go over some topics. Uh, one... That's very important. But I'm going to pass to Chris and just kind of give like a brief, you know, description of it. I mean, it all stems from last week. We didn't really get to go into full detail. So, like we will do, we're going to take the first part of this episode talking about the importance of wins and losses. Uh, by the way, Chris just wrote a fucking great uh, article about this exact thing uh, in wrestling, basically the importance of wins and losses. So check it out on our website. It's on our blog. And it's basically associated with uh, recently what happened with Jinder Mahal. If they build up Jinder Mahal to give reason for him to have his title shot, I think the reaction out of certain wrestling fans would be different. And I think that a lot of people are just like, oh, just, just it's fine, it's fine. But it's getting to the point where even like with the title about, you know, having a, a, um, X amount of times having the title, that means you've lost that amount of times too. So it seems like it's, it's really just pointless at this point. Or was there even a point to it beforehand? Chris, can you explain a little bit more about this whole entire concept?
3: So
1: going off, just starting with Jinder Mahal, I want to I go ahead and put it out there that I have no problem with Jinder Mahal getting a title shot. You hate him!
3: <laughs>
1: the issue, what it comes down to is sports entertainment in general it should be treated like a real sport, and I know people hate hearing that, but otherwise, why would you give a shit who wins or loses?
0: At the end of the day,
1: then you're just picking a guy and saying, oh, I hope they win, and that's not how the world works. And despite what your parents may have told you when you sucked in sports, winning is, is important. <laughs> so people still see sports in, in wrestling. I mean, it is a sport in a sense. They get in the ring and they work. The problem is the the way you build a wrestler in general, the way you build a strong competitor for the title throughout history from the beginning of time is to have that person win matches that are important. So Jinder Mahal won two matches last year out of 50 (laughs) that I'm aware of. There may be more. There's probably some dark matches in there that I'm unaware of, but I know for a fact that he only won two matches. Three, I guess, I think two is including the Battle Royal. I could be wrong, so maybe, maybe three. But the problem with this is you have guys in there like Sami Zayn and Luke Harper who have been pushed, who are considered bigger stars. So by having gender win the Battle Royal, what it does to their stock is it goes, oh, well, they got beat by Jinder Mahal. They got beat by a jobber because we're giving this guy a push. So no matter if you look at it like a professional sport or you look at it the other way, which is like, oh, they're just going to give this guy a huge push, both sides of the fan base are going to see that. Yeah, they're good, glad to see the surprise and like, whoa, that was shocking. That was a shocking moment. But then they come to the realization that this guy is going to be pushed down their throats whether they like him or not. And they haven't given gender enough time to really get over it in any sense as far as personality-wise, like, why should you care about this guy? Now you realize that he's going to have a title run and possibly win the title. And when he wins the title, where do they go from there? So, the reason that streaks like Goldberg's and The Undertaker's and all of these things were so important is because they treated it like winning and losing is a big deal. If, If losing is not important, then The Undertaker's WrestleMania streak means absolutely nothing. So, Goldberg's hundred victories that made him into an absolute monster that, that made, him, made him come back 10 years after retiring and still be a big deal to a lot of fans is because he won all those matches. It's definitely not because Goldberg was a great promo or a great wrestler. It's because they took the time to build him into an absolute monster by giving him wins and making those wins a big deal and talking about how winning is a big deal. So when you go the opposite side and you give a guy who's lost 50 matches and won two a title shot, it makes, first and foremost, it makes both the people portraying management roles look stupid because they're putting this guy in a number one contenders match when he just got knocked out of a battle royal by someone who's not even a wrestler. Like, he literally got taken down by a football player. Then he got buried, basically, by Finn Balor, and then you put him in a title match. Like, what did he do to deserve that title match? So, like, I know they're playing SmackDown as the land of opportunity and shit, but, like, if you treat it like any other professional sport, boxing or UFC or any kind of kickboxing, you have to work your way up. You don't just get a a title shot. So, to me, it just comes off as, like, hey, we're giving this guy a big fucking push, and now you're just going to have to deal with it. And the problem with that is the same reason that people hate Roman Reigns. Like, they gave Roman Reigns this massive push out of nowhere, and people got really fucking pissed about it. So, like, being acceptin- accepting of it with Jinder Mahal is only because he's a heel. I mean, that shit's going to turn around real quick when people see that it's the same match every week and that his promo is the same, almost the same as an anti-American hero. They're ba- I mean, he's basically doing Rusev's gimmick. Rusev is coming back, as you guys, I don't know if you saw on Twitter, or the quick promo he cut on SmackDown, which we'll talk about later, as someone that's just mad at Daniel Bryan because he didn't get a title shot after winning for a year. So there throws a wrench in that because you gave it, I mean, unless he's going to be the one that goes after gender specifically, which would be a great storyline. Everything about that was terrible. So we'll leave it at that. But basically Rusev was, I was undefeated for a year, and I never got a title shot. So maybe they're playing off that, but if not, it's completely ridiculous from all sense. Wins and losses are very important in wrestling going back from the beginning of time. I can't think of a single wrestler that has ever lost that many matches and then immediately won a number one contendership and a title and then went on to be a big deal. So I I think that this is going to be a major flop. And the article kind of goes into better details, probably worded a little better because I have time to think about it and not just do it on the fly. But uh, that's where I'm at with it. And I would love to hear both Dane and Jawan's opinion as well.
2: Well... And I, I'll say more after Jawan talks, but I also want to say that we get that with professional wrestling, I, I feel like the title itself, it, it, it more getting the title is like kind of like getting an Oscar as opposed to winning a Super Bowl or, or, or winning a boxing match. It's basically the industry itself or the WWE for the, for the case of this. The wrestling organization that you're working for saying that you are the top dog, you're the best performer, we think that you're going to be top billing for whatever division you are in. Uh, as opposed to, obviously, this is a work. But I completely fucking agree with you. I I don't understand why we're not uh, demonstrating these these things that we've been demonstrating and and, and playing with wrestling for the longest time. Uh, You know, I mean, it should not be that hard uh, to demonstrate some form of that. And uh, anyways, Juwan, you've heard all of this, and, 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 you know, you, you hear what I'm saying, like, how do you feel about this overall?
3: Uh, well, I, I completely agree with uh, with you both. Uh, and Chris, I've always been someone who always teaches uh, the youth that winning is important. Um, you know, you know, if you lose, that's not the end of the world. But your goal is to win, uh, and that's why I don't like the conversation of you know winning a championship isn't that important. Well, the day you decide you want to play that sport, your ultimate goal is to win the championship. So when you don't you've fallen short of your, your actual goal. So winning is very important, uh, especially to me. Uh, in regards to Jinder Mahal, um, I, don't, I don't have an issue with Jinder Mahal being um, the number one contender. My issue is we all know that they're not trying to build him up by any means. Uh, he's going to get buried by Randy Orton. Um, I don't know if this is a filler so they figure out who they actually want Randy Orton to actually feud with going forward. Um, I think they kind of, like we said before, they kind of messed up a little bit by making a j Styles uh go for the u s title instead of just having Orton versus Styles or even baron corbin versus uh versus orton um so that's my main issue. You just like we we kind of figure you're not going to do anything with Jimmy Mahal probably after this will probably never get a title ever after this, uh, after this title shot. So that's, that's my biggest issue with it. But I do completely agree. Wins um, are definitely important. And someone who suffered that many losses getting something, especially overrusive. Uh, you know what also bothers me? Someone like Jinder Mahal getting this opportunity. And I can't even remember the last time Sheamus had a, a single title, let alone a run for a single title, um, and that's just really upsetting um, because he's a 1,000 times better than Jinder Mahal in every every facet. Um, so just things like that really upset me. But like I said, I completely agree. Wins are very important, and I don't understand how you reward someone for that many losses.
1: I honestly think if they don't put the title on him, then all, all of this was a waste. So I, I'm kind of expecting him to win the title from Randy. I think Randy will retain over Bray and then Jinder will win the title. And then you might get
0: either the rebound
1: match against uh, Randy at, in his hometown because I think they're they're going to be at the next pay per is in his hometown. Maybe he wins it back there. But I do think that they put the belt on Jinder for a little bit. So, I, I mean, I think that's where that push is going. It uh, It's going to be weird seeing Rusev not doing the anti-America personality either, but hopefully maybe that will be really good for him. We'll see. But, yeah, I I 100% expect them to put that title on it. As bad as it's going to be, I think they're going to fucking do it just because it it seems like something they're going to do. It'll be another surprise.
3: Well, well, see, part of WWE's biggest problem right now is that none of their titles are are a thing of importance. Like, they all mean nothing. Um, And that's a shame because the titles used to mean something uh, very big. So if you're telling me that Jinder Mahal, after possibly being the world's largest jobber, um, wins the title, even if it's even if it's yes, literally, even if it's for a few seconds, like two days, um, it, it's a disgrace to the title, and, and not because he's winning it, but because your true i you know your true purpose of him winning it probably is for him to, to, to lose it by the next pay per view and then for him to never have an opportunity like this again. And I just think SmackDown, I expected more from SmackDown, because I think we all discussed this. From time to time, SmackDown showed to kind of be the better brand. Um, And doing something like this is a waste of a very prestigious title. Go ahead, I'm
2: sorry. No, they've been burying SmackDown. I mean, everyone complained about Raw. Now they're complaining about SmackDown. And Actually, after a couple of weeks... SmackDown, I mean, it's less time, but, I mean, beforehand, ev- the storyline was so good, and that's that's, that's the thing it's, it's, that bothers me, is that I just I feel like the writing doesn't know where to go with certain things, and it's very obvious when you do something like that, especially, all right, you go in your situation, Juwan, he's just a transition person between Ferrandi. or he's a transition champion, which I hate even more uh, in concept, or you go by Chris's concept, and he does win it. There's no reason for him to win it. It's it's like they did this. And if the rumor that um I forgot the uh the, the podcast guy, it's uh David um anyways, he was basically saying that this is all for Vince to get attraction from the uh from India. And that's why he's putting together like this little thing. I gotta say what what he did on SmackDown was very entertaining, how he stole the title and stuff like that. But there was no reason to give Jendra Mahal this type of push at all. Uh, I I just don't understand it. Um and well, like you're I saying, mean, when you're having well, you, Raw doesn't even have a champion right now. Does anyone realize that? Like the universal belt's not even there. And they're projecting yeah,
3: it's not even there. like
2: the like the US title is a more important title right now than the friggin' world heavyweight. It makes absolutely no sense. Well, well I, mean, I mean it doesn't to, to to the go... point of who's going after
1: it. I mean if Jinder versus Randy or Styles versus Kevin Owens, one of those things is way more important as far as a match goes. Especially if you don't care about I mean, winning off
3: I mean, but even to go a step further, if you look at it, Raw is completely screwing the pooch because, honestly, their most prestigious title at this very moment is their tag team title. Um, the, you know, the Intercontinental title is getting, like, absolutely no love. You just have Dean coming out, just hitting his, uh, his finisher on The Miz every, every chance he gets. Uh, you know, Brock Lesnar is, is never on Raw. The women's title, you know, it looks like they're doing something interesting with that. But to me, that's that's like a sideshow. I can't um, stand with, Bailey. I'm kind of fucking can't that.
2: stand Bailey. Yeah, that's I'm sorry. that's I know that's it's, my I know it's the writing. That's but... why I'm like,
3: she has she has to lose that belt. I'm sorry, she has to lose that belt. She is just she puts me to sleep every time she comes out. And honestly, her finisher is 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 if if her talking on the mic doesn't put me to sleep, her finisher does. But what I'm trying to say is. Uh, the Intercontinental title and the World title, the two largest and most prestigious titles of Raw, Th- they're doing absolutely nothing with them. Nothing. Like, there's no storyline for Dean and his belt. Absolutely none. And there's nothing for Brock. Like,
2: Yeah, So no, I agree. It's, it's just a waste. It's, it's frust- a waste. It's frustrating. It, it, it's very frustrating. Uh, Chris, do you have any closing statements about this before you move on to the next thing? Um,
3: well, I just...
1: You know the the intercontinental title. I, I agree with you one hundred percent. They're supposed to be building up a match between the Miz and Dean Ambrose. I think, but once again, the importance of wins and losses comes into play. Like he's fucking the, like Miz has been buried ever since he made it to Raw.
2: So <laughs>
1: it's like he gives a shit about that match. You know Dean Ambrose is just going to beat him, or at least that's how I would feel about it. So I mean, yeah, it's the the title situation is terrible. And then um, with the gender thing, it's like there's ways that they could have done it right, which is what's frustrating. They have a while until the SmackDown pay-per-view. They could have slowly got him some big wins and then built it up. And even if they had him be a heel and win, it would still be better than just randomly thrusting him into a match and making it like a surprise deal. So I think they could have built up the Bollywood boys more and made them like a little kind of super heel faction on SmackDown. They have the time to do it. They have people there that he could have went against. I mean, he could have went against Luke Harper. He could have had a short little program with Sami Zayn. There's, there's people that are big enough on that roster to have gotten that over without thrusting, thrusting him directly into that position. So it's not that I have a problem with gender as a performer at all and then back out there again. I think he's okay in the ring. He's not, like, a terrible worker. And the stuff he did last week is – or last night on the mic was fine. I mean, it was entertaining to see him steal the title, and we'll talk about that later. So I just think, like, when you – shit runs downhill. So when you do something like this for your top title, it, it devalues, like, all of the workers that were won in the number one contendership match and the worker that he's actually going against, which is Randy Orton. If he beats Randy Orton, I mean – you got to think that really de- devalues Randy Orton title run in general, which has already been shady at best considering how they've gimmicked the Bray matches so much. So overall, yeah, it hurts your titles and your titles should be well protected. And SmackDown had done a good job of that up until the uh, brand split. And now things have kind of started shifting into what it felt like la the beginning of last year coming out of WrestleMania, which it always does, but it's just rough. Well,
2: it's a new season, everyone kinda of pretends that, you know, it's a start over and now with the brand split it seems like it's even double that, like what you were saying with the Miz. I don't know. It, it, it gets to a point where, um, even though I like a lot of the work that he's been a part of, you know, we all know that Vincent Kennedy McMahon gets the final say so and stuff like this. And I feel like something situation like that's like the Indian market, ah, he's got a nice physique. We can make him chair. And then that's basically that they have to work around that. I, I, I'm not trying to blame him so much, but I'm just looking forward to whatever it be. And, you know, hopefully Vince doesn't die. He's just kind of like older and just kicks it to fucking triple H. But I'm going to be curious when triple H leads it going forward, especially based on how he did NXT. But let's talk about not even for a long time. That's actually, that, that's a good way to go into our next topic. Um, so, there is a film chronicling the life of Vince McMahon and it's going to be making its way to theaters in the near future. Uh, Sony is the one who is the person bidding for it. It's going to be called Pandemonium um, and it will be directed by Glenn, Glenn Farka and John Riku. Uh They are most known for uh, This Is Us, that NBC show that's popular right now with the kids. I've never watched it. So, anyways. So, basically, this is a biopic about Vince McMahon's life. I'm sure they're going to start from like him taking over, well, maybe even a little bit younger, but him being an announcer in the late 70s, early 80s, taking over for his father, and then making WrestleMania, going forward, getting stars like Hulk Hogan, Under the Giant, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Attitude Era, keep on, you know, basically the build-up. I'm, I'm sure they'll go over the Montreal Screwdrop. At least I hope all this gets shown. Um, I, the directors themselves, they have a couple of good movies from when I, uh, you know... When I looked up their stuff, I can't remember exactly on on top of my head, but there was also quite a few duds, too. Uh, So, you know, they work together uh, quite frequently. I know a lot of people say good things about This Is Us. I want from this a really good in-depth movie uh, that doesn't try to be too one way or the other. That's very down the middle. I don't want to paint Vince McMahon this evil dude, and I also don't want to just see him be fucking pixies and rainbows, because we all know that's a bunch of bullshit. So I want to see really in-depth what happened, and I would like to see, for an actor, um, I, w- I would like to see John Hamm actually play uh, Vince McMahon. I think he would do great job if anyone's ever watched Mad Men. He has that same type of charisma, and he's also kind of an asshole. Uh, he does a good job with that. So very interested in this movie. I think this is a very smart biopic. I hope Ric Flair has one coming soon after that. Uh, Chris, how do you feel about this film? Are you looking forward to it?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a very interesting story all the way from him working with his dad and and being an announcer to basically taking, I mean, killing off the territories. There's a lot of things that you can do with just other characters like Bern Gagne, for instance, that could be just super interesting or Jim Crockett. So from a standpoint, I mean, I would almost rather it be like an HBO miniseries (laughs) because I think that would be a perfect way to do it just because of the span of time they have to cover. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it would be completely awesome. Uh, I know this role would never happen, but, like, if they could somehow train Vince Vaughn to have Vince McMahon's voice, I think that would be fucking hilarious for some reason. Um, but more realistically, probably, yeah. probably like, Don Hamm would, is a really good – I didn't think about him right hand, but that is uh, really good. I also thought uh, he would have to lose a little bit of weight, but Kurt Russell could also be very really, – a very interesting Vince Vincent, an older Vincent Kennedy McMahon
3: um,
1: if you kind of said fuck it to...
2: and just had dip, if you had different actors basically play him at different ages and said kind of fuck it like they've done with like that Bob Dylan biopic or even try to I mean Kurt Russell would be a good older Vincent McMahon yeah I'm assuming they're going to have to do that luckily whoever they pick to play him
1: like from the 90s up can look exactly the same <laughs> So pretty much like all the stuff between, all the stuff in between is going to be a little bit, it's going to be interesting to see how they do the makeup to get the chin dimple. So perfect. <laughs> like, oh my God. Uh, uh, I'm, uh, I'm just really looking forward to, I mean, the weird thing is like, you know, they're going to have moments where they have like a whole, a Hulk Hogan type character or an Andre the giant type character. Like it depends on how they do it, but I mean, it's something that could be really fun and, and have some really cool acting spots in it. Hopefully it's just not like super campy and uh, maybe they treat it a little more serious. That's kind of why I would rather it be like a mini series or something. I think that would be cool, but a movie's cool. I mean, I look forward to it. Hopefully WWE films isn't too involved with it. And it's, it's, I mean, it sounds like it's a tristar picture. So it sounds like it's got some backing and, and hopefully it's really good. They did get the rights for the, the story. So we'll see what happens.
2: Well, it's funny that you say that because Michael uh, Lucy is actually uh, one of the film producers, and that's the guy who runs WWE Studios. So uh, they will have some direct involvement. I hope they don't take back from it. Um, I love what you said about a series. See, if you put this on, like, you know, Showtime or HBO, it's really interesting. And and the biggest thing is seeing different actors portray these different gimmicks and also the real wrestler behind them, uh, you know, where we see them. Like, it's going to be really interesting who they get to pick it. Um, I also will say, I'll fancast one more time. Um, I did this for the uh, Andre biopic. The guy who plays the Hound, if you use camera angles, he's almost seven foot tall anyways. I think he would do a great job as Andre the Giant. He, I I don't know if he knows a French giant accent, but, you know, I'm sure he could figure out. Anybody want a peanut? Joanne? how do you feel about this?
3: Well, <clears throat> it figures, Dane. Uh, you changed my mind. I was... Coming into this uh, conversation, gonna go. Hey, I could care less. Then you said something that immediately drew me to having so much interest in this uh, film being made, and that's the idea of John Hamm uh, doing the McMahon walk, and that's all I keep looping in my brain. And I'm super excited about the thought of John Hamm possibly uh, being um, Mr. McMahon. I love the idea of that. Um, no, but I, I really have interest in seeing the story of Mr. McMahon, um, you know, him getting it from his dad. I kind of also want to see uh, a little bit of, um, him doing the work as the, uh, not ring announcer, but the, um, the commentator. And then, mm-hmm. you know, his rise from that all the way to, uh, you know, um, taking over for his father. I want to see, I want to see all that. So, uh, the idea of John Hammond playing uh, Mr. McMahon makes me want to see it now even more. So thank you for that.
2: Oh, no problem. I do what I can. And you can make this like kind of like social network meets, not good fellows, but there's gangster qualities in this story. I mean, basically he was the son of his, his mob dad, if you will, in, in essence. And there's all these other families. And in the 80s, he took them all out and just took the empire by himself. So if they do this right, it could be great. And, I mean, it's a very vague statement. If they do this not so great, it's going to be shit. So anyways, let's go to our next topic. Uh, Let's talk about some broken hardies, guys. So Matt's been tweeting more back and forth. There's a lot of conjecture and rumors going on from behind the scenes uh, basically about them acquiring the rights to be able to use their characters, or they're about to use their characters. I've heard fucking fifty goddamn different things. Um, I'm sure Chris actually is more organized probably with this than I am. I'm just going to assume that. But uh, basically, I think that Matt and Jeff are going to lose to Cesaro. This is what I'm assuming. They're going to lose to Cesaro and and Sheamus. And after building it up like, hey, let's 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 be gentlemen about this. I feel like Sheamus is going to screw one of them over, and that's going to cause it and then they're going to go ape shit, and then they'll be broken shortly after that. I don't know exactly. I just want to see broken Matt Hardy. Yeah, I think it would help out after they try whatever with uh, Bray Wyatt and, and Finn Balor, which I think could actually have some progress. I think down the line, I think a lot of us would enjoy broken Matt Hardy versus Bray Wyatt. Uh, apparently, Vince has a lot of in store for Jeff Hardy in particular. He, he thinks that he could have another title run. That's what I'm hearing, at least, uh, from different sources. So, Expect that. I think Matt at this point deserves it over him, but, you know, who the fuck's going to tell Vince what to do? So how, how do you feel about this uh, news, Juwan, and are you looking forward to seeing the Broken Hardys, Broken Matt Hardy and Brother Nero? Uh,
3: yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know if it'll happen as soon as uh, this Sunday because I honestly don't think that they're going to um, to lose. I can, What I keep seeing in my mind, and like I said, I kind of, you know, give this to you guys. You guys know wrestling uh, way better than I do. But I kind of feel like Sheamus might screw over Cesaro and they might have a rivalry between the two of them. I think it'd be um, something else that would kind of drive uh, Matt. Yeah, again, yeah. Because I can see something else, uh, you know, a different tag team or something like that uh, being what breaks Matt Hardy uh into being broken, um you know, into being uh the, the broken persona that we know. But I could be completely wrong. They they could you know, that could happen exactly how you said it. But I'm I'm huge for that. I will also say I'm huge for Jeff getting another singles run. Um uh I, I'm really excited about that. But um yeah, no, I, I could see, you know, Cesaro and Shamus winning the title, but I have a feeling like Sheamus might turn on, on Cesaro.
2: I do get that feeling. Uh, I just don't know if they're going to try to go forward because they had like a series of, I think, six matches that led them into having more of a rivalry that led Mick Foley to getting them to work together to have one tag match and then became a tag team and blah, blah, blah. You know, we're here now. So who knows? Uh, Chris, how, how, how do you feel about this?
1: Well, a little backstory: When they won at WrestleMania, Matt said his condition had been fixed. So slowly we've seen the broken gimmick sort of come in and out on TV. And then I think it was yesterday. I mean, he he kind of made a post talking about brother Nero for the first time in a while. And he's, he's made several posts since then. And then he said he was hearing celestial voices, which is the seven deities he always talks about. And then today he changed his screen name from Broken Matt Hardy to Conflicted Matt Hardy, which means there's a, to me, that means there's a hook. He's splitting personalities. So it could be a bigger build. Um, but being that they said winning the titles fixed his condition, I'm assuming whether it's, you know, when he, lo- if they lose this weekend, or if they lose down the line, that's what's going to break him or cause him to be Broken Matt Hardy again. So that's where I think the storyline's going. The only reason that I think that it may they may put the titles on Star, uh, Cesaro and Sheamus um, is, is simply because that just history of Raw. You win if both if both of the tag team members win their singles matches, they usually end up losing the match. So it's one of those percentage things for me, and um, I think maybe they had this slated for down the line with the revival, and obviously they're 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 out for what eight weeks. So I think they're just uh, getting it in there, but it, I mean, to me, all signs seem like they at least worked it out where that they can use this gimmick in WWE. I don't know that that I mean, it, it sounds like the Hardys don't own it still, or there's still court battles for that. But I, I, I'm looking forward to it. Like I, I, I honestly loved the gimmick the first time I saw it. I showed it to my wife, and she's like, "This is stupid," and I was like, "It's going to be huge. Watch." And I think that <laughs> it has proven to be huge, as you saw as saw WrestleMania and it's just a fun character and it'll be fun for Jeff too. And then, you know, they can split off and do, I wouldn't say do final deletion again necessarily, but you can have Matt oh versus Jeff God. and then, and then Jeff can go back onto his, uh, his uh, go to a single run if they want to go that route. So there's tons of stuff they can do with it. It's very interesting. It's a good promo with Matt. Uh, I, I hope that they could get Reby Hardy involved somehow, um, to some extent or, or just some additional Hardys for Matt, Matt to work with because that's always fun uh, with his gimmick is having him talk to referees or talk to people that was part of the fun of TNA where he was working with so many different characters like Senor Benjamin and all that stuff so it's pretty cool I'm looking forward to it I don't necessarily know that it's going to happen this weekend I have a strong feeling that Cesaro and Sheamus are probably going to win the titles just because of how they booked booked it thus far now whether or not it's because uh, Sheamus screws them over I, I don't know it's uh it's a weird thing but i'm i'm looking forward to the match. I think that might be one of the better matches of the night and and the build up which we're going to talk about on Raw for every other match on the card has been kind of mm-hmm. terrible. So this is the only one i'm actually looking forward to or have any interest in watching as far as the storyline goes.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, i'm very excited to see what happens. I would I mean, if, if Vince has another title run in store for, for Jeff, if we're, if we're saying that could be true. I hope that he comes around from that, and I hope somehow maybe Jeff and Matt end up on opposite shows. And maybe we could have both Hardy brothers on their last stretch of their career with the title, the one with the universe title and the other one with the World Heavyweight title at the same time. I think that would be kind of cool in, in concept. I don't see it happening. I'm just kind of like, you know, fantasy booking at that point. But, uh, yeah, I just – it's gonna be fun uh, seeing what happens. But let's go to our last topic before we go into everything. Um, all right. So Raw last night, though. Well, not last night, but Monday night. You guys know that because Monday Night Raw, right? Uh, Raw uh, had a record low mark with three million viewers. It would have been the lowest number since football season ended, and the fourth lowest number since nineteen ninety seven. And that was a show that was going head to head with uh, Monday night, or yeah, uh, Monday Night Football. Uh, the three shows that did worse were against the blockbuster NBA playoff game and two weeks of the 2016 Olympics. Uh, so this is this is pretty bad. Um, it's it had three million viewers uh, for the first hour. It had uh, 3.14 million viewers for the second hour, and the last hour dropped, which I don't blame it to 2.88. Um, so. I don't know whether they'd be worried about this. Uh, I think that no matter what, pro wrestling has an audience. And I don't don't see – I'm sure that this does better ratings-wise on USA than a lot of stuff on that whole entire network, you know, the Smiles and Shades program. Uh, So I don't think we have anything to worry about. And I'm just hoping that the whole Nelson rating system can be abolished in the next couple of years once Cable hopefully dies because it's so out of date, so out of touch. There's a lot of people that, that watch this the next day on Hulu because they can't watch it the night of like me. And it sucks that it has to be live viewer ratings right then and there. I still think this, this makes better ratings than a lot of TV shows that are on. But when you're talking about it being the fourth, I think, fourth, uh, yeah, it finished fourth of the night on Cable behind the playoffs, uh, and a couple other things, that's really not that. I don't consider it that bad. Should it be better? Yeah, based on their performance. But I don't think that's anything to be worried about it getting canceled or anything like that. Chris, am, am I making sense, or am I, am I missing something?
1: No, I think you make a lot of good points. Um, the, the thing that always worries about me when they have the big rating drop like that is they either try to bring in a big star, um, similar to what they did with Brock Lesnar, or you see a lot of heads starting to roll and and people getting shifted around. It's just kind of always been a theme in WWE. Um, It is a little scary. I mean, the show itself wasn't very good. Um, And the ratings were low last week, too. So it's always a little bit of a lull coming out of WrestleMania. Um, But with the shakeup, you would think that things would be, you know, a little more fresh and interesting. I, I think right now having your title off TV is hurting it a lot um as we've continuously talked about and then they don't have the they don't have a, like a top guy i mean they have Seth Rollins and i don't think that he necessarily draws ratings the way that they want him to um roman reigns has been off tv I, for 2 weeks it's it, it's a weird situation it's kind of a weird scenario i'd i'd be curious to see if it bounces back after the pay-per-view I think it will because people always tune in to see what happened at the pay-per-view if they didn't watch it for some reason. Um, but, I mean, my main worry is, like, WWE starts doing weird stuff if the ratings stay in a lull for a long time. And uh, right now they don't have really any storylines built, and, and that's kind of worrisome. Like, are pe- do people actually care about anything that was built on Raw, which we're going to talk about when we talk about Raw, as I've said, but right now, I mean, there's nothing really uh, outside of the Hardys and Seamus and Cesaro that is super interesting to me that would make me want to tune in and watch. Um, I think there's always a fan base there. There's always diehard wrestling fans. But you don't want to lose your normal casual audience either. So it, it's you got to keep them interested. You got to you got to do something. You got to have good feuds. You got to have good storylines. And I think right now they, they kind of don't have anything. They're treading a bunch of water. They've already treaded with um, Dean and uh, Miz, and then you know Jericho has is promoing against someone that's not there. And <laughs> I think he like him and <laughs> Kevin Owens were kind of their top draw on Raw. And uh, like I said, Roman Reigns has been kind of out. So it's, it's basically right now their top guy as far as, I guess, storyline or, or what you would care about is Braun Strowman. And once again, he's in a situation where now he's feuding against someone that's not there until the pay-per-view. So it's been kind of weird in general. Um, They've got to build something coming out of this pay-per-view that people care about. I, I think people are interested in seeing Seth Rollins versus Samoa Joe but I think the story that they built around it where he's just mad about Triple H and Steph, I think people don't care as much about. Like, the payoff with him beating Triple H, it shouldn't be, you know, him now wanting, like, or, or Samoa Joe being pissed that he beat Triple H. So the the storyline itself, I think, is kind of uninteresting. But, yeah, I don't know, man. The, the ratings, when they spike like that, if they stay at a 288 next week or they hit a 288 again in the third hour, um, that could be bad. I think SmackDown did better overall, which is kind of surprising, because I thought it was just wow. as equally as bad this week. But, yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird situation. Raw's your flagship show. So it's, just, it's always funny to see how Vince reacts to these things. It, it can go one of two ways with him. So.
2: I, I think their problem is that they're misusing a lot of stuff. Um, you know, they have a lot of opportunities that they could be doing right now, and uh, they're deciding to go different areas. And here's the thing. I will give them this. I'll give Raw SmackDown the first couple of weeks out of Mania. I was having fun. I was on a you know a fun bus if you fucking will. And then it kind of slowly started going downhill for both shows. Raw's been weird, like you just said, and SmackDown's been shit. And I'm just you know kind of over that now. You built was this the was this before the pay per view? I mean, was it really like? Did we even really go into anything for this Raw? And you're right. It's like the, the one of the most popular people. On Raw, it's Finn Balor. He doesn't have any fucking storyline. He just gets a huge pop every time he's out. Braun Strowman's huge, going against no one. You have a a few between uh, Samoa Joe and Seth Rollins, I completely agree, has no real merit to it. Um, It's very strange. Uh, I mean, it's early on. So hopefully they do stuff, but I I, I get worried from what you're saying about them kind of just, just going drastic, trying to get someone involved doing something dumb, uh, or maybe he'll just amp it up and, like, iron it out. I have no idea, but I'm going to be watching to find out. So I, I, I don't – but, but from, from this whole entire concept, I don't think Raw going to get canceled anytime soon. Uh, I just think that they could be doing a lot better, and I don't like what Chris was making me think of, Vince going on haywire mode and just fucking doing some crazy stuff. Uh, Juwan, how do you feel about this?
3: Well, I I will say this. If you're a wrestling fan, um, I'm not necessarily saying you were saying this, Chris, but you should panic. Um, And the main reason why I feel as though you should is because ESPN is going through something to where they're losing numbers, and they are laying off people left and right. So we know that when WWE gets in these moments where the ratings aren't that good, they don't let people go. They change networks. And the last time they had to drastically change a network is when they went to Spike TV, and I don't recall that. <laughs> I don't recall that um, that time uh, me enjoying Raw when they were in uh, with with Spike TV. I didn't really enjoy it that much. Um, and then they made their jump uh, to to USA, uh, and their numbers started uh, going up from there. So, um, and we know. Excuse me, SmackDown went from sci-fi to USA. Um, so I think that would be the height of anything. Um, but also, it's, it's right now it's basketball playoffs, and they are, and it's shocking to say, more entertaining than wrestling at this moment in time. Uh, for wrestling to kind of get its numbers back up, you kind of ha- have to make sure your, your big names are in big matches week-to-week. Week. Uh, it can't be against jobbers. Excuse me. It can't be stupid one-week storyline type of things. It has to be high-caliber matches. Uh, one of the things my dad used to always tell me is what people used to prefer uh, WCW over WWE is because it'd be big name versus big name on a week-to-week basis. Like the full lineup was good names going up against good names. It wasn't a typical – Every week gets a jobber. Every week gets a stupid storyline. Like, it was quality matches on a week-to-week basis. Um, so, WWE just has to kind of get back into the fold of that. Like, Big Show versus Braun. That's, that's a huge draw, but you need – excuse me. You need matches that, that are like that throughout the night rather than – because w- another thing they have to kind of stop doing on Raw is when you, when you market the beginning of your show saying – all right, pretty much the best match of the night is going to be the very last match of the night. People kind of just drift away until around 1030 where they watch the, the last match. So you kind of have to make sure your show is consistent throughout uh, the three hours because if not, people are just going to float in, or flo- uh, float in and out or just come back in the last 30 minutes of the show. They, they watch the beginning 30 minutes and then the last 30 minutes, and that's what you don't watch because you know, the ratings dip in between that. So they just have to kind of make it more consistent. Um, This whole brand shakeup thing kind of effed everything up for them. But I I know one thing that could work in their favor is Matt becoming broken and then the idea of the demon Finn Balor. That whole storyline with demon Finn Balor, Bray Wyatt, and broken Matt Hardy, maybe him forming a new Wyatt family with those guys. That can definitely go to creating more of a better storyline. And just something more entertaining to watch going forward. So they just have to build consistency and just, you know, kind of tweak some things. But like I said, uh, it should be something to be worried about because if it doesn't get there, Vince, like Chris said, will kind of just go wild and what can I do to make things better. And like I said, the worst thing that could possibly happen isn't Raw being canceled. It's just them going to a different network.
2: People like twerking. They like twerking, right? All right, we're going to get them to twerk. All right, let's hope that does not happen. But uh, let's get into some Raw Smackdown. SmackDown. Uh, Vince McMahon likes lots of stuff. That's that's how Vince is, you know? Strange guy. Uh, but he does, you know, he's helped out my childhood and part of my adult life, so I can't complain too much. So, Raw opened with uh, what was announced as the final episode of Chris Jericho's highlight reel on Raw. Since if your games, his U.S. Championship, from Kevin Owens, he would automatically be moved to SmackDown. So he goes into this. Jericho was then interrupted by Miz and Maurice, who said uh, in fact, no longer the show of Jericho and that it was canceled and replaced by Miz TV. You get the whole entire gist of it. Miz TV gets on. Dean Ambrose comes out and puts in uh, Ambrose Asylum. Um, so basically Ambrose then presented uh, Jericho with a new light-up jacket to replace the one he destroyed. That was for 15 $1,000 uh, the year before, uh, and he then delivered the Dirty Deeds to The Miz. All right, I like this, this this segment, but I know they had to change sets a couple times, but it kind of was long. I felt like it was like a 45-minute fucking thing. Uh, I thought it was really funny, though. I like the camaraderie between the three of them. I mean, all, obviously all of them are really good at, at mic stuff. I feel like this week especially, ever since that lazing complacent statement, uh, Dean, he seems sharper when he's talking. He seems more energetic, more facial expressions, and in the ring, he seemed like he was. Because I always complaining about that. I think every single time, like he needs to stop doing that. That, um, that go back into the into the ropes and then do the you know the the arm thing that whatever the fuck he was doing basically because it just looked sloppy. He was doing it so slow that it didn't look right. And he, just, he looked good in the ring, but this thing should have been shorter. Uh, it took a good chunk of everything, but I guess. This is a good chance it's the last time that we're going to see Jericho on Raw in a while. So I'm assuming they maybe gave that for that reason. But I like the light-up jacket. I thought it was a pretty funny segment. I'll just put it that way. Uh, Juwan, how did you feel about it?
3: Um, honestly, I-, I loved it. I-, I will agree with you. It kind of did feel uh, long, uh, especially when the, you know, the whole Dean beating up the Miz and then walking off. Like I don't want to keep saying that week-to-week. Uh, there needs to be more substance to that. I thought Dean giving Jericho the jacket was hilarious. Um, it was a nice little bit, but it, it did go on rather longer than it should have. But yeah, I think the kind of I think the writing's kind of on the wall of um, Jericho leaving RAW. <laughs> I think week to week it makes it more obvious, um, but who knows? But I did enjoy the uh, the opening set.
2: How did you feel about a Christopher?
3: Uh,
1: it was really long. It was like 20 minutes long. Uh, it was cute. There were some funny moments, but it built to nothing, which is my main yeah. problem with any promo at the beginning of the show is it, it doesn't really build to anything. Um, and I kind of felt like that throughout the entire night with a lot of the story, but like specifically this built to a handicap match against The Miz. Which is always weird to have two faces versus your heel. So, I, I from that standpoint, I kind of hated it. But you know, Jericho, Dean, and and The Miz, they they're all pretty decent promos, and I, I thought they did okay together. Um, it's it's weird because we like as we all know, like it, it's kind of like I feel like they should have left Kevin Owens where he was, and left Dean where he was, and then had Kevin Owens and Jericho have a Loser leave Town match instead. Because they kind of gave away the finish to their match. And I mean, not still would kind of give it away, but at least it it gives you something more pivotal than just like, oh, well, if I win, I get to go to SmackDown kind of thing. So, I I don't know. It's kind of weird. Um, overall, I didn't like it because the follow-up to it and the, the build to the match wasn't very good. But the uh, the segment itself was funny. Um, entertaining. It was a little long. It was like, like I said, it was twenty minutes long. So that's a quarter of your first hour almost, which is a bit much. Yeah, it
2: re- it really was. Uh, it was long. Um, I don't know. I, I definitely liked the whole jacket thing. I like that they referenced, and I, I kind of wish that they would do something like this with Seth uh, Rollins and Finn Balor in the future. Of like why now they're so like buddy buddy. But I like how the, they referenced later on in the night how. Jericho's like, you remember your match where you threw me on a bunch of thumbtacks and then destroyed my jacket? And he's like, but I got you this. Like, I, I like that, but I completely agree with you. The payoff sucked. And the end of Raw was dumb, and they completely misused four guys that I actually like a lot. So it's whatever. But uh, let's go into the, uh, the first match of the night, which was both, uh, Matt Hardy uh, against Sheamus, uh, both Jeff Hardy and Cesaro at ringside. Well, basically, long story short, uh, Matt Hardy defeated Sheamus uh, following a twist of fate, uh, just like last week. There was like kind of tension, and I love that one part. Matt Hardy was looking at, um, I, I think, yeah, he was looking at Sheamus, and he goes, "You will shake or delete." And I think maybe it was Cesaro. I don't remember, but he was actually doing that. Hilarious. Um, really looking forward to the match between them. Uh, I think that they could have given a win to one of the other guys on the opposite team because now it makes it look. Or maybe it's supposed to make it look like Jeff and Matt are really strong and now they're going to beat them together and get the title uh, for Cesaro and Sheamus. I don't know. Uh, but good match, short, you know, I guess it had to make do towards that giant uh, introduction. Uh, but, uh, Juwan, how did you feel about the match?
3: I enjoyed the match and I did catch uh, what you were saying uh, with the Matt Hardy thing. I did enjoy that. Um I'd say the biggest thing, because I think I say to you guys on a week-to-week basis how much I love both Cesaro and Sheamus, and them losing as often as they have infuriates me. Um, One of them should have won this match, just so... um, Because I do believe what Chris said. Both your uh, single competitors winning kind of results in them losing um, the the tag match. Um, So, you know, so... If they had if they had, had the other team win one of this these matches, it kinda would have made you go, oh, yeah, well I'm not that sure about who can walk out uh you know, victorious. But I did enjoy the the
2: opening match. Chris, how'd you feel? Uh
1: I honestly thought it was the best match of the night. And it was better than the, the Cesaro Cesaro in the party match. which was kinda weird last, last week. So it was good. Um Matt hit all, all his spots. Sheamus looked really good. I like that he did the uh, – it's the 10 beats. I can't think of the, uh, the name, but he kind of did it in a different spot. He did it with him being outside the apron, which is kind of cool. Um, they did a lot of cool stuff on the outside of the ring, and the, shake ha- the handshake thing was, was, could be decent. And I hope the storyline pays off between these two. It's, to me, it's the most interesting thing on Raw right now is, is the tag team division and how much they got going on. If they can get Anderson and Gallows away from uh, Enzo and Cass, um, that would just be perfect. But, like, when the Revival comes back, the thing that I look forward to the most is just all of these, all of the tag teams are all has now. Um, It could be really fun. To me, like, Cass, Enzo and Cass should be going against, like, Slater and Rhino and then building their way back up or something. Because they've taken a lot of losses, so it's kind of weird to have them going against Anderson and Gallows. I I think it's, Hertz, Anderson, and Gallo's stock. But the tag division as a whole, I look forward to each week on Raw. I think it's I think it's pretty good. Um, and the match itself, I, I think it was my match of the night. I didn't really see anything else that stood out.
2: Yeah, it was definitely one of the better matches. Uh, I, I did enjoy it a lot, too. I us to see what happens at the pay-per-view this weekend, see the ending results of the Hardy Boys versus Cesaro and Sheamus. But let's go on to, I'm going to go over the back, what happened backstage, and then also the uh, Cruiserweight tag match in one thing. But uh, Miz and Maurice confronted Rob General Manager Kurt Angle, who then placed him in a tag match against Dean Ambrose and Chris Jericho, telling Miz to go find a partner. Let me just say that I do really like that. Like I like I keep on saying that Kurt Angle, that's his mentality, because we, we, we saw that immediately when he was rumored for the manager. But anyways, and also uh, Jack Elger and Austin Aries defeated T.J. Perkins and Neville. Aries pins Perkins after successfully delivering the discus five-arm. I I think it's later, or it might have been before, but I loved Austin Aries um, when he went past Kurt Angle and offered him a banana. Uh, Very funny uh, segment. Um, How did you feel about these two things, Juwan?
3: Um, I, I enjoyed the, uh, the match, um, but I thought the, uh, the backstage segment was, was fun. Um, I, I love that Miz, um, tension with the, uh, with Kurt Angle. I do, I did think it was a little weird when Kurt did the FU, um, like, hand signs, like, after Maurice had left. I was just like, whoa. Oh, the Italian,
2: like, Uh, hey, fuck you.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I was just like, whoa, 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 okay, hold on. That, that was a little much, but um, I, I do enjoy the back and forth between those two. Uh, I think there was another moment in the night uh, when the Miz found out who his partner was going to be, and um, he said something, and him and Kurt just kept going back and forth even even as uh, Kurt had walked away. I love um,
2: those oh, yeah. two
3: guys going back and forth. Yeah, it seems like that's just going to be a lot on uh, Miz and Kurt Angle, the banter between the two of them. Uh, so I'd say out of uh, both things, between the match and then that backstage, I enjoyed the backstage a lot more.
2: Uh, isn't that sad, Chris, is that he enjoyed the backstage more? Uh, to some extent, are we still talking about the cruiserweight match? Because I,
1: I actually thought the cruiserweight match was pretty good, and the Austin Aries segment backstage was funny. The banana thing he's doing, for some reason, it makes me laugh every time. I'm hoping that somehow he has someone slip on a fucking banana pill at some time, because I I know that's like silly Chikara type stuff, but it's still funny as fuck.
2: Like like
1: Braun slipping on a banana pill and then getting mad and crushing Austin Aries would be be pretty damn great.
2: Oh my god, I never thought about that. That would be amazing. That's exactly Um, what we need.
1: Or just stepping on a banana and being like,
2: "This is gross." Who <laughs> <laughs> oh, put a banana on the floor? I'm gonna kill Roman Reigns' mom. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I thought that match oh, was good. My, <laughs> my only thing is, I,
1: I, my only thing is like 205 is the perfect thing to fill. Like, I hate that it's a separate show because it's the first perfect thing to fill in the weak spots of Raw. So you don't have to have so many like backstage segments like. I wish they would mix more guys in. Like, Akira Tozawa is awesome, and he hasn't been on Raw in forever, right? Like, uh, Brian Kendrick's pretty damn good. They're doing good stuff on 205 Live, but I have to watch, you know, I have to, like, catch up on it mid towards, like, the end of the week by the time we get through Raw and SmackDown, and then we do the podcast. So it's like, you know, it it sucks. I feel like a lot of those guys are really good workers, and, and it's focusing around, you know, a feud between Jack Gallagher and TJ Perkins and... Uh, Aries and Neville, and it's fine, but it, we're seeing similar stuff. This at least was a full tag team match, so I appreciated it. I thought it was a decent match. The backstage stuff with Kurt's awesome. Um, if they were gonna have him go like have a heel match, like or a match against a heel, like as a like a manager's had enough. Miz is probably the perfect choice because he works a, a pretty soft style as far as WWE goes, and he'll sell like fuck for Kurt. And their banner between each other is always gonna be hilarious. Um, So if they're going for a long con with something like that, that could be fun. Um, Yeah, overall, like, both of the segments, like like I said, the Cruiserweight match was fine. I I just would have rather seen some other Cruiserweights there or even had another, like, an additional Cruiserweight match at some point during the night.
2: Yeah, definitely. And I'm looking forward to, uh, I think, NXT tonight. Uh, Jack Gallagher is going against Tyler Bate for the U.K. title. I'm probably going to watch that as soon as I'm done talking to you awesome dudes. Uh, But, yeah, I I did like the match a lot, too. I just, I mean, I just wish that, like you said, it's great watching 205 Live, but I don't get a chance to a lot of times. But when you do, they they display everything a lot more and give these guys a little more time and stuff. And, you know, there's so much going on. But, uh, yeah, I don't know if Miz is going to end up going against Kurt Angle. I think that everything collectively is going to make Kurt Angle blow you know, I, I would love to see him act like his old heel self, like start getting, like, really pissy with people and just, you know, being pompous and stuff like that. I think it would be hilarious. But he's kind of already kind of gone in that direction a little bit. We'll keep on watching. Definitely like the banter. Hey, guys, we haven't had a dumpster match in 17 fucking years. But tonight, <laughs> Braun Strowman versus Kalisto in a dumpster match. All right. So, uh, I love the match. It was a lot of fun. Um, both guys did a great job. Uh, well, Stroman's a big dude, and, and Kalisto can only do so much. But I, I thought I thought the whole ending was really well well done. How he just like knocked his knees out and made him fall in the fucking dumpster first, and just afterwards, just the chaos of him basically recreating the uh, the infamous uh, dumpster match with it where, the, where uh, out uh, what you call it the God dang it New Age Outlaws went and grabbed the dumpster and threw Mick Foley and Terry Funk, who were in it, off the uh, side. Um, I really don't understand. All right, so maybe you guys can figure this out for me once I pass it to you. Uh, some A part of me goes, That's pro- that probably wouldn't hurt too horrible. And then I'm thinking, well, actually, you, you know, your body's small, so how the hell do you take the impact from getting slammed? And then I wondered, well, what the fuck would you do in that situation? And I feel like at one point you saw Braun open up the dumpster right before he did it. Maybe to see that, make sure that Kalisto was in position. I don't know. That's what I was assuming. But I, this was absolutely stupid and ridiculous. It makes Braun and look like a fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger villain from a movie back in the '80s. But I loved it. I thought it was ridiculous. Um, and then afterwards, I had to get ruined by another stupid promo from Bray Wyatt that I'm getting sick of. Uh, but h- how did you, how did you like this, Chris? Well, I hated it. I thought it was fucking stupid. <laughs> I honestly thought.
1: <laughs> I honestly thought that Braun should have just fucking demolished Kalisto. You gave Kalisto a garbage win. He didn't even win within the rules of what a dumpster match is, which is you have to close the fucking lid. Like,
3: yeah, everything yeah,
1: about that, it was that's how it is. It's like It's like a coffin match or um, the same concept. You have to have the lid closed. That's what I thought. And it's a garbage win for Kalisto because he didn't really win. So it did nothing to get o- either guy over. It was just a setup for Braun to destroy Callisto. So they could have just literally had him destroy Callisto during the match, and then that would be fucking it. My only highlight for this is uh, is the way that Kurt Angle says Kalisto because he says it like Callisto from fucking <laughs> Twisted Metal, which is hilarious to me because I just keep thinking it's Twisted Metal the entire time he's talking. Um, but, yeah, the match was fucking garbage. It was cool to see Braun destroy him afterwards. It would have been even better if they had him flip the ambulance again. I feel like they missed a golden opportunity.
3: <laughs> I'm with
1: you on that. they put him in ambulance. I'm not
2: done yet! <laughs>
1: <laughs> that may have changed my mind on the whole thing if he flipped the ambulance. But, yeah, I think it was dumb. I, they should have just had Braun squash him and do the same exact thing. Like, it... It it doesn't – it's not it's, – this is not starting a huge push for Kalisto. <laughs> like, I don't – so to me, him winning was kind of dumb. And then he didn't even win within the rules of the match. And uh, as far as what you were saying about uh, Terry Funk and Mick, they went into the trash can together, and it wasn't really gimmicked. It was like an actual huge-ass rolling trash can. And when they went off, uh, Terry got hurt really, really bad. But to further, that was also super stupid because I'm pretty sure later in the night they showed back up in, like, hospital gowns and then fought the New Age Outlaws again, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> so that whole thing was kind I of think ridiculous. You're right. but it's, uh, yeah, I, it's, a, it's a dangerous spot, but what I'm, what I'm assuming they did, they used a smaller trash can, so I'm assuming it was padded inside, and Kalisto just put his foot against the wall, so when it fell over, it just tilted, and that's why they strapped the lid down, so it wouldn't he went and pop out the lid side. So it was probably a lot safer than the first time they did it where Terry Funk almost died. But, <laughs> yeah, I hate when they have, like, rules for a match and then they don't follow the rules of the match.
2: Yeah, and uh, that, that Terry Funk one, that was nuts when they opened it because I don't think they were expecting it to be that horrible, but those guys look like they were banged the fuck up. I remember watching it as a kid and thinking it was complete real. Like, everything about it was real. Like, I can't believe they did that to him. Uh, But anyways, um, Juwan, how did you feel about the dumpster match? I liked it. Chris hated it. How did you feel?
0: It
3: was pointless. Uh, (laughs) Extremely pointless. Um, I didn't even understand the whole conversation Kalisto was having with Kurt Angle right before he – he came out for the match. I, I, I don't get any reason why this match happened. Um, I agree with Chris. It wasn't even <laughs> within the parameters of actually winning the match. Um, but I will say, uh, as far as him like throwing the, the, the can off the stage or anything, uh, that, I, the first thing I thought of was the craziest thing I've ever seen someone do involving the stage. And correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't the Dudley boys, like, powerbomb Mae Young off the stage onto a table?
2: I think so. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, you're 100% right. They totally they totally yeah. did that.
3: <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, when I saw that, I was like, even if it's not completely safe, old-ass Mae Young went off that stage to a goddamn table. So I was like, if Kalisto can't take that, and May Young took Beautiful that? Beautiful Come yeah. on, though. Yeah, come on, come on now. But, yeah, no, um, I won't go too, far, uh, too long. I, I thought the match was pointless, um, but I do love to see anything Braun Strowman, so that was the only appealing factor. Um, but, yeah, it was a totally pointless match.
2: Well, fuck you guys. I'm going home.
3: <laughs> um, anyways,
2: uh, let's go to the next match. Uh, I don't really give a shit about this. I watched, like, a split second on YouTube of this, and I really felt stupid for doing it. I didn't even know Alicia Fox was a fucking wrestler. I thought she was just a manager, but I was wrong. Dana Brooke defeated Alicia Fox. Uh, Brooke scored the pinfall victory over Fox following a Mishinoku driver. That was really bad. Uh, Emma then entered the ring and gave Dana a hug, which was unreciprocated. I don't really know. They have nothing to do for either one of these girls. And I have to say that Dana's Brooke is extremely attractive, but her smile scares the fuck out of me. Like, it's a horror movie smile. Like, yeah, like... I'm shaking right now, right now. So we're going to keep on going. Um, Present this in one with the uh, the other thing that happened. So Samoa Luke Gallows, and Carl Anston cut a promo backstage where they were surprised. They would destroy uh, Seth Rollins, Enzo Moore and Big Cass in a six-man tag. And basically they uh, set up Enzo, hurt him, and it was the three of them. And, of course, I mean – Guys, it's not like they haven't done this in the last couple of weeks. Who is going to help out Seth Rollins and Big Cass? Finn Balor, of course. Duh. I mean, what the fuck? Uh, what is this? Anyways, Finn Balor, Seth Rollins, Big Cass defeated Samoa Joe, Carl Anderson, and Luke Gallows. Uh, I thought this was a good match. Um, I enjoyed it. Uh, Rollins tried his new finisher out. It, I, You know, the thing is, when I watched it, on my phone, it looked way worse than when I watched it, you know, on my actual computer screen. I don't think it's that bad. I think Anderson didn't sell it as much. Um, but I don't know why he just came through the stomp. The stomp just looks like it's fatal. The way that he does it, it's really uh, not that bad. So I, I wish he could do the curb stomp. But what, what are you going to do? I like Finn Balor. He looked pretty strong that night. I just... I, they need to figure out what the hell they're doing. What is he, like, the, the stand-in guy? Like, apparently he's not even going to be at the next pay-per-view. He doesn't have, like, a, a thing. I think that he has an interview beforehand on the pre-show. Um, so that sounds kind of dumb. And can we just get Big Cass and, and Enzo out of, like, the big leagues now? Can they just – like, I feel bad for Big Cass because I do like watching him perform. He sucks on the mic, but that kick that he gave to um, to Luke Gallows just the, the kick to the face, outside of the ring, like, that looked really painful. And it probably was really painful, but I enjoyed it, is what I'm trying to say. So, um, how, did, how did you feel about the... If you want to talk about the women's match, you can, but, like, how did you feel about the segment with all these guys, John? Well,
3: I'm going to completely skip over the women's match. Um, the six-man tag was, was good. Um, I really... I want to know what they're doing with, with Finn Balor desperately. Um, I think when they did this whole shakeup, they kind of had to re-go through what their plans were for Finn Balor. Now, you know, bringing in Bray Wyatt and everything like that. Um, so I'm not even sure they're sure what, they're, what they want to do with uh, Finn Balor right now. Um, as far as Seth Rollins' finisher, he does need to bring the stomp back. Um, mainly because I keep every time I, I see Seth Rollins, I just think, Like, why don't you have a finisher that you can just stick with? Like, it's changed from his first, you know, time debuting on on Raw to now. It's changed twice. Um, So now this is the third time. Like, you need to kind of pick something and stick to it. Um, He needs to bring back the stomp just like Randy Orton needs to bring back the uh, punting people in the head. Uh, They're just two very fatal finishers. Um, but, yeah, the match was good. And as far as Big Cass and Enzo, I'll say this again for the billionth time. Come up with something that Enzo can't wrestle anymore and just have him be the mouthpiece for, for Big Cass and give Big Cass a, a push, He's, like, for the Intercontinental title. Just do something different with these guys. Because Honestly, them as a tag team, it's horrible to watch them uh, wrestle because Enzo, to me, is just really uh, a bore fest and, and horrible to watch. So just having be the mouthpiece for Big Cass. Big Cass is more inter- interesting to watch uh, wrestle anyway. Chris? All right, well,
1: I not I'm not going to spend a ton of time on a women's match since both of you guys skipped it, but I will say that uh, Dana Brooke is a sweetheart. Super nice. We're friends on Twitter, so shout out to Dana Brooke. I feel like... Uh, now I'm going to say the negative thing. You're, you're hun, like I'm this, sorry she, shout
2: on you. Your, your smile freaks me <laughs> out, though.
1: Now I'm going to say the negative thing. I think that um, sometimes I think sending someone back on the NXT doesn't necessarily have to be a negative thing. Um, I, I feel like because they had her be kind of Charlotte's manager almost or like her friend at ringside for so long like a valet that uh, maybe she's got a lot of ring rust. So I think it would be good for her to get some matches against People that are working all the time, like the people in NXT, and then come back up, uh, this, that match was not, not the best. But then again, uh, Alicia Fox to me, I've always thought that she was kind of terrible in the ring. So uh, I'll leave that at that. But I love you, Dana. I'm not crapping on you. Just saying they should give you more matches. All right, now that that's out of the way, <laughs> I fucking hated this three-way match. I thought it was stupid. And uh, the reason I think it's stupid is because you're basically treating Finn Balor as Seth Rollins' boyfriend. You have nothing for him to do on the (laughs) pay-per-view. This whole fucking segment could be used to do something with Finn Balor. It also makes no sense why he would choose to go against his former friends, which everyone knows is the club, because they fucking reference that all the time. It's not like people didn't Google search what the Bullet Club was or what the club was. Um, so, from a standpoint of that, I hated it. The match itself was fine. Uh, it was nothing spectacular. I did like the end that wasn't in it, so that was good. <laughs> I don't have to bury him this week. <laughs> he did a good job of selling getting fucked up at the beginning, so that was cool. Uh, yeah, so overall, I hated the match, and it looks like they're going to have him have a match with The Miz because they're doing a Miz TV spot, and I'm assuming that's setting up a Finn Balor match versus The Miz. Is my guess which means Dean doesn't have anything to do. So I don't I don't know what they're fucking doing, but it's going to pivot around Miz, Finn Balor, and Dean Ambrose. So that's what Finn's doing at the pay-per-view. It's on the fucking pre-show, so that should be awesome.
2: Huh, that sounds interesting. I'm hoping what they're doing is they are alluding at a feud between Bray Wyatt and Finn Balor where either, because he's been talking about wanting to do this anyways, And there was a report, even though he looks exactly like he always does, that they were going to be changing his character this year. So I assumed at the beginning. So what I'm proposing, guys, is that Finn Balor and Bray Wyatt will actually start after this this pay-per-view, I guess, uh, after Bray's done with Randy. And Bray either brings the demon out of Finn Balor, like so to speak, but he just starts doing the whole thing, or Finn Balor has to go to that level like he normally does. I don't know how you play it off, but all they have to do is explain that, like, you know, if he doesn't want to do the whole entire body part, it, just part of his face, like, a certain amount of the demons out or some bullshit, like, just do some wording, he'll be fine. I don't know what the fuck he was doing in this. That's, that's it's, You're completely right. It's like he's his, 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 his lover coming to save him, and there's not a lot of sense being made of why he would be aligning himself with them, and not with the, the club, but... Especially if you're going to reference it right before the match, like remember they used to be friends. Yeah, I know it's crazy. Uh, what are you going to do? So let's go into the women. Uh, hey, I got one match. more
1: one more thing, one more thing before we go out. Not to hold everything up, but um, with Finn Balor, the, pro- the my thing about Bray Wyatt is he's going to lose to Randy Orton, and Finn Balor hasn't had any significant matches building up to this. So hopefully they don't go into uh... it right after the Oh so yeah, I just hope that they kind of give that. both of them give both of them some matches. But yeah, it's going to be a fun feud. I just hope they don't rush it while both these guys are going to come off things that don't matter.
2: Very smart, Chris. Very very smart, smart. Very very smart, Master. Master Roshi. Anyways, where was I? I completely lost my train of thought. All right, Alexa Bliss came out to the ring and ran down the uh, the women's champion Bailey, um, just basically just completely trashing her out, saying that she's pathetic, saying she's a fan, doing the same shit Charlotte did. I will say that Alexa Bliss, she can handle the fans, uh, for a heel, for a baby, for whatever, like, the whole what thing, uh, it's like the Miz, honestly, like, it's, it's almost like that, at least for her level, like, she's good at at handling that type of crap, she's really good on the mic, uh, and she said she was saying that she was hoping that her dad was going to be in the front row so she could like beat her in front of her dad at her hometown of uh, San Jose. And then Sasha Banks, or Bailey comes out, you know, goes
3: me 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 me. Bailey.
2: And then uh, Sasha came out shortly after that uh, to defend her friend Bailey, uh, I guess, and challenge Bliss to a match. Uh, the match happened. Sasha. Banks defeated Alexa Bliss. Bliss purposely took the council's loss uh, following a brief match against the boss. Uh, she basically she wouldn't fight them, and she went up the ramp and she got a count countout. Um, and Bailey was on commentating, and since she was up there, coincidentally, she ran over and knocked Bliss, uh, who outsmarted her and jumped her from behind. Sasha ran to Bailey's aid, but of course, Alexa Bliss was gone. So, how did you like the segment? And how did you like the match, Chris? Uh,
1: The segment was fine. Alexa Bliss did well on the mic. I'm really glad that when Sasha came out that they also did not bring Nia Jax out and then make this thing like a tag team match. So from that standpoint, the match was good. But the match itself was uh, was rushed. It seems like they were trying to get through it just to do the segment afterwards. Um, And I did like that Alexa Bliss ran off. And then, like, Bailey's like, haha, she ran off and then came back. It would have been really good if she came back with, like, a chair and, like, Walter her or something instead of just, like, then getting beat up. Um, but, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm done with the whole sasha Bailey thing. I'm tired of seeing it each week. And I, I'm kind of glad that they didn't just turn this into another four-way match or something with Nia Jax. But other than that, like, I like Alexa. I think she's doing good mic work. Hopefully they put the title on her because, like, honestly, Bailey is a stinking ship right
2: now. Yeah, I don't like the wacky inflatable Bailey buddies or the fuck a Tonga says. I'm so glad that he's not on this program to say that every fucking time. Juan, how do you like Bailey? Is she your champion?
3: Um, no. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, kind of when they did the swap, Alexa Bliss pretty much for um, Charlotte. They kind of built both of them up like they were going to win their respective titles. So I mean I see Alexa Bliss definitely taking the title off of um, off of Bailey, and I can actually see it going down to where um, you know Sasha comes out to show support, and you know Sasha goes to kind of stop Alexa Bliss from doing something. Alexa Bliss ducks, it hits Bailey. Alexa Bliss gets the win and gets the belt, and that's how you can kind of build up the the Bailey and Sasha feuds, and let Alexa Bliss just kind of. Take that title on and, and do great things with it. Um, I do see her being like the Miz, uh, female Miz. Uh, she handles the crowd very well, um, and I am with you, Chris. Um, I'm big on on chair shots, so if she came out with a chair, that would have been awesome. Um, but yeah, no, I'm kind of over Bailey. I I kind of need her and Sasha to have this feud, so like Bailey can maybe like go away for a little bit and then. Sasha can like not have to worry about being Bailey's mouthpiece anymore. Um but yeah, I'm also glad that Nia Jack didn't come out and they didn't make that a travesty again.
2: If Nia comes out, I, I swear it'd be so funny if one of the announcers actually calls her Braun. i would be pretty <laughs>
1: hilarious.
2: Not that she looks like him, she definitely doesn't. She's a beautiful woman. Don't hurt me. Anyways, um, Dean Ambrose approached Chris Jericho backstage. Yeah, this is the whole segment that, that I was talking about uh, with the Christmas lights. And uh, Ambrose just seemed, he didn't seem so, like, monotone. Like, he seemed very, expressions were on him and Jericho's banter was funny. This also led into another segment where that one interview lady uh, interviewed Heath Slater and Curtis Axel regarding their roles in Marine 5. The Miz interrupted was like, yeah, what's up, buddies? What's up, co-stars? Uh, I thought the whole entire thing was really ridiculous out of nowhere. I, it was dumb, but it was still funny. Um, and he was trying to recruit one of them to be his tag partner, and after they found out who they are going against, like, you know, he was like, I got a partner. And it's, it's Rhino, who has easy cheese and crackers. So I guess Rhino, uh, ex-senator, I believe, or, or he was at least going for senator, is now a stoner, produced the easy cheese and segments on, on Raw. Uh, but it was still funny as shit. When Maurice was offered something from Rhino, she knocked the plate out of it, and his reaction was hilarious. Uh, really, actually, all the guys are pretty good in this. I wish Kurt Axel would be in the ring a little bit more. Um, I think that's the last time we saw him. Wasn't a match where he lost, probably about two months ago, maybe. I could be wrong. This led to a match with uh, Apollo Cruz and Kurt Hawkins. Hey guys, Kurt Hawkins lost. Anyways, uh, so Cruz won following an Inzaguri into a spit out power bomb. Um, After the match, Titus O'Neil showed up to take an in-ring selfie with Cruz. I actually like this whole entire, like, you know, Titus is, like, trying to brand people and, like, you know, build them up. Like, I think this actually could be potentially pretty funny or just horrible. Let's hope it's not, like, another uh, Bo Dallas or Bo Nose or whatever the hell that whole entire thing was from last year. And then, just a little cherry on top, Michael Cole announced that Kalisto suffered a hip and cervical trauma. Uh, and from the aftermath of the dumpster match earlier in the evening, so I, I who gives a shit? Because probably not true. Hopefully it's not true. If it is, sorry, please do. Uh, so let me throw it back to you, Chris. These four segments. How did you like them? Or three right, segments segment one, from Michael Cole.
1: Rhino eating cheese was funny, but Curtis Axel. For the love of God, if anyone asks you if you want to be their tag team partner, just say fucking yes, because then maybe you'll get a match on Raw. Uh, <laughs> So that made no sense to me. I would, have been, if I was Curtis Axel, i would have been like, "Fuck yeah, I'll be your tag team partner, Miz. Why not? It's not like I'm doing anything else back here." Um, Maurice slapping the cheese plate was funny. I love it stuck to the like Rhino for Mayor shirt too. That was pretty, <laughs> pretty hilarious. Um, let's see. I'm trying to remember Pauli Cruz versus Heath Slater. You know what? I thought it was. I thought it was pretty good for a squash match. I had. I've I never liked Titus O'Neil and he stumbles on, like, the majority of his promos, so I I just have a hard time. Like, if you're trying to make Paulo Cruz, like, a big guy, putting him with Titus O'Neal is probably not your best bet unless you're going to just make them into a tag team or something. Um, So other than that, I was like, well, whatever. And then there was one other segment that you mentioned Then I don't remember or care what it was because it probably wasn't. Dean Ambrose
2: and Chris Jericho uh, with the whole jacket. Oh, so,
1: where he tried to get off the list and and then he slapped Chris Jericho yes, yes. on the back. Okay, yeah, that was that was cute. It was funny for what it was. I to me, shit like this waste time. Like this is a spot where you can have a good 205 match. This is like this yeah is a typical like the typical like fucking attitude Raw shit that made me like watching segments of WCW better. It's like exactly when I would switch the channel is when they were doing dumb shit like this and then I knew like Kuventud Guerrero was going against Eddie or Eddie Guerrero or like Chris Benoit was going against like Jerry Lynn or some shit. Like this is exactly why I would change the channel. So to me, this is like a perfect spot to have a match instead of having like these cute little segments that do nothing to build anything on the show.
2: I can see that. You could also condense this stuff down pretty easily. Uh, like that whole entire Marine thing really didn't even need to happen. Uh, he could have like passed them, like you know, in fear in the hallway, been like, "Guys, we just did the Marine Five, so plug for the movie." Blah 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 blah, and then that's it. Uh, yeah, that could be definitely condensed. How do you feel about all this, this stuff, Juwan? Um, I literally despise every ounce of it. Um, I do
3: find it funny that they're on Marine Five. Holy shit. Um. Yeah, I, I'd say the best thing that I enjoyed the most out of everything was the Jericho, uh, the Jericho thing. I enjoyed that the most. This was almost, like thirty-five uh, minutes.
1: Almost, it was like thirty-five minutes worth of airtime that they could have used on something else that would have been more relevant. That's, on I a mean, legit
3: that's my
2: primary
3: match. Problem. On a legit match that would that would make uh, viewers not want to change the channel.
2: Basically, that's very true. I mean, instead of condensing everyone's match, yeah, you would definitely get a ri- I mean, some of these guys aren't even actors. Let's just, uh, let's just call a spade a spade. Not all of them are like The Rock. Not all of them are like Cena. It just doesn't work. Like, you know, not even saying that Cena and The Rock are, are in an acting concept, but, like, men, it's not all of them are good on the mic. So it, it just seems like, like, where the hell has Curtis Axel been? He was just there for an interview in his ring gear, put a T-shirt on? No, doesn't make any sense. I'm sorry. All right, so here's the biggest pointless piece of shit. Last match. Um, So Miz uh, is complaining that he doesn't have a partner. He calls someone, or he gets a phone call from someone. He's all excited and uh, goes to the ring and tries to announce his partner. No one's there. So he has to to fight because Kurt Angle says anyways. uh, uh, Whatchamacallit, uh, Chris Jericho and Dean Ambrose. And it was a pretty sloppy match. Uh, not a lot happened. Um, I don't know why the late entrance from uh, whatchamacallit, call it uh, Bray Wyatt. I, I didn't really understand the point of that. Um, I don't know. It was it wasn't that good. I, I just I know that I was, I've watched it twice, and I still don't have a lot of good memories from it or anything like that. Like the whole like teleporting on the announce table, that was pretty cool. But she, he also has done that a million times. Um. Yeah, Chris, how, how how did you like the last match? Fucking hated it. That was awful. It's always stupid
1: to have two baby faces in a in a handicap match in general. And then Dean Ambrose was selling to like Miz when they're in a fucking handicap match against like the chicken shit heel, which made absolutely no sense from like a wrestling standpoint. So, like, literally everything about this match I fucking hated from the ground up. And then, like, I knew that Bray Wyatt was a surprise partner. But to me, all this did was, like, fucking basically bury the three dudes that were in the ring and then be like, oh, Bray is a big deal, but he's about to lose Randy Orton. So, I fucking hated it. Everything about it, it was a waste of time. And I hated it.
2: Wow, that's some strong feelings. Juwan, how, how strong do you feel about it?
3: Yeah, no, I I, I, I completely agree with Chris. He's very underwhelming. Um, you know, them bringing Bray out at the very last second um, really did nothing for me. I mean, it was kind of obvious that he was going to be the logical pick to, to be the Miz's partner, um, only for him to turn on him at the end. Like, it just – these are moments where you, you should be giving off Quality matches because, um, like I said, what's stopping the viewer from seeing like the first five minutes of that match and going, "Yeah, I'll just watch something else." Uh, like, you know, wasn't it last week Strow- Strowman versus Big Show, or was that the week before?
2: That was last week, I believe. Yeah, last that was week, last right? week.
3: Yeah, and, that's, and I mean, great way. that's Go ahead.
1: Yeah, I was just gonna say. I mean the rating has dropped to the 2.88 in the third hour. So, obviously, we're not the only people that thought this shit was stupid.
3: Yeah, no, I completely agree. You thing. Know, you know what I miss? I miss the days when Cena and Shawn Michaels, what was it, like An almost an hour and 30 minutes, or almost an hour, something like that. Like, great um, main event matches like that. Like, that was a great match. And you stuck to your TV. You were like... There's no way in hell I'm missing the finish of this, of this match, um, regardless of yeah, the this... ending. Like, they need more <clears throat> matches like that. And, you know, Big Show versus, versus Braun Strowman, that was also a really good match also. That was a main event caliber type of match. They just need more of those. And I feel like Raw's biggest problem is they have, like, the same six people that wrestle every week, and it's just a bore fest.
2: I think there's a lack of storylines. I think there's a lot of problems. Um, I, I don't think... thing is, having the two separate um, uh, stations with their own... Like, th- th- there's upsides and there's, there's downsides. Like, some of it's good for creativity, but, like, a lot of it's... They just don't have enough people in each one for us not to see the same reoccurring storylines. Or, or Like the Miz and Dean Ambrose, you know? Or possibly, like you were hinting out earlier, Jawan, with like maybe Cesar and Sheamus have a shakeup. You know that that that's because they have the same people, and even if they tr- change like five of them, it still doesn't fucking matter. So we're gonna go from one thing that aggravated me into a brand new thing that aggravated me with SmackDown show up and with Renee Young inviting uh, Shinsuke Nakamura to the ring for an interview. Before he could answer any questions, however, Dolph Ziggler interrupted him and took over, comparing Nakamura to Michael Jackson and saying the name Shinsuke Nakamura translated to petty, pathetic, overrated freak. That was really bad. He, he, he sucks at acting, too, so it doesn't really matter if it was a bad impression. Nakamura then called him a jackass, which led uh, to, to them getting physical, resulting in Ziggler fleeing the ring once again because he's a giant pussy. Um, yeah. What the fuck are they doing with Nakamura? What was this? I, I forgot what they were calling him. Like, the artist? Like, no. He's the King of Strong Style. You already have t-shirts with that on there. Why would you start calling him something else? That, that better not uh, be, like, his new name or whatever. And I thought it, made, it, it also just made, like, Dolph look really fucking ignorant. Uh, for him playing this character. and He's not really, I mean, he's better, I guess, as a heel than a babyface. I don't have a lot of exposure with Dolph Ziggler except for the last couple of years, seeing some matches online. And he's a good in ring worker and like the beginning when he was on the fucking Spirit Squad, which is what I mainly know him from. Uh, so he is a better heel, but I just don't, his mic work doesn't work for me at all. But how, how did you feel about this opening, Chris? Are you excited about Shinsuke Nakamura?
1: I'm excited about the King of Strong Style, not so much excited about the artist. Is he is he now the artist formerly known as the King of Strong Style because he saw that Shibata headbutt, and he's like, that's that's some fucking Strong Style right there. Like, I don't get He has such a good gimmick name. Like, why are you going to call him the artist? Like, it, as soon as they said artist, the rest of the shit was all irrelevant to me. Let's like, get on and just have the fucking match because, like, I, I don't understand how you could take someone so good as Nakamura and saddle him with a creative character, like, what do you want to be called in the ring type name, when he has such a great gimmick as being the King of Strong style. Like, I fuck, I fucking hated everything about this thing. I'm not going to lie. You, you're really bringing me down by talking about, like,
2: the last six topics. Well, well, man, what do you want me to do? I mean, if the writing's not good, just, like, not talk about it. We can't. We have to cover the bad with the good, Chris. That's how it works. Juwan, how are you? How, how do you feel about the artist formerly known as Shinsuke Nakamura, the King of Strong Style?
3: Yeah, there's a lot I don't I don't really get about what they're trying to do with uh, with, with his character right now. Um, I heard someone floating a theory around of Paul Heyman adding uh, that chick from NXT um, and making her a Paul Heyman. Um, you know, making her Paul Heyman's client, the one who's undefeated, uh, the champion. I can't remember her name. Oscar. Oscar. yeah. They should have done that with uh, Nakamura, really. He needs a mouthpiece. And I think Paul Heyman representing the both of them, because, uh, you know, the likelihood of Brock Lesnar ever coming out of hiding, um, you know, until SummerSlam is just very unlikely. Um, him representing both of them I thought would be perfect. I'm um, having both on SmackDown, bring Paul over to SmackDown, have him represent both. Um, I don't get what they're doing with this whole Dolph Ziggler thing. I wish they'd just have a match already, just get it over with. Um, but, yeah, I, I want to say I enjoyed it, mainly because I, I do love Nakamura, but it just it, – it was a no for me.
2: I, I do like that idea um, to some extent, but I think I think that just I mean, I don't know if he knows – a lot of English, but he seems to be okay when he's talking and stuff. I, I, he has enough personality to like do this himself. Uh, but and I know this is just a transition, uh, you know, wrestler, which I feel bad for Ziggler because that's you know what he does. He's he's good in the ring, but he's soft, so he can like you know deal with stuff. It, although being the soft part, he might not be able to like some of the strikes. But uh, maybe that's why he is the artist. Maybe it's because of like fear from WWE, which but I didn't even think about that. That's a good theory, but who knows? We'll find out. Um, then we had a match That seems very peculiar Because I feel like we just had this match Oh yeah we did Except for I think Baron Corbin It was a count out that happened last week But still enjoy watching these guys work together uh, AJ Styles and Baron Corbin He defeated him This match featured Kevin Owens on commentary Again Owens tried to get involved In the match but was kicked by Styles Who then got caught in a power bomb Attempt by Corbin Escaped and rolled up uh, Corbin for the victory afterwards, Owens and Corbin. And I actually did like this because, like, they kind of, like, were going after each other, and they were like, well, fuck this. And then they just both start beating the crap out of AJ like a bunch of heels. So that was pretty cool. Uh, you hear Z- Sami Zayn's music come on. I guess they're now going to, like, get Sami Zayn to go against, I'm assuming, uh, Baron Corbin, try to, like, you know, cause that to happen. And Zayn took out Corbin with a hell of a kick, uh, but was thrown out by Owens who delivered a pop-up powerbomb to Styles. Good match. I like all these guys. Uh, I wish they would do more with Sami Zayn. Um, I don't think that's actually a bad pairing either. I think that Baron Corbin's getting better and better in the ring, so if him and Sami work, I think they could work out pretty well. Um, Yeah, but the only thing that... It's redundancy. This this match already fucking happened. The only difference is that AJ won from a count-out last time, and this time he, he pinned him clean. Uh... But still, it's like you even had fucking Kevin Owens on the whole entire mic. So, it's like where we're going back to. So, um, how did you feel about this uh, match, Jawan? I actually enjoyed it. I'm one of those
3: guys who uh, is a huge fan of Baron Corbin, um, especially his in-ring ability. And it's always phenomenal watching AJ Styles. See what I did there? Uh, Anyway, um, I could definitely see them um, trying to build something with Sami Zayn. Um, I can see them trying to build something with Sami Zayn and Baron Corbin, and that'd, that'd really be something fun to watch. Um, I really enjoyed the match. I seriously did. I really do hope Kevin Owens stays because he deserves to um, – he would definitely take over SmackDown uh, in a heartbeat, and, and it'd be in good hands. Um, so I hope he does stay – ooh, excuse me, on SmackDown because they need it um, right now.
2: Thanks.
1: Uh, kinda of the same sentiment as Juwan. My only worry coming out is the, with Baron Corbin and Sami Zayn is Sami Zayn has he's in the he's in a similar situation where he has like one big win in a while and they're I mean he's gonna lose I would assume he's gonna lose to Baron Corbin, depending on how long they draw it out. My theory is the Baron Corbin's probably gonna win money in the bank for Smackdown. So I I think that's what they're building him for. So they're I mean they're essentially gonna feed I'm assuming that they're going to feed Sammy to Baron, which I'm not looking forward to, but it'll be a good match because both those guys are good in the ring. I, I like Baron Corbin, so I don't really have a problem with where they're going. I just It's unfortunate for Sammy Zane. It seems like wherever he goes, he's just there to build up, like, the next guy. So it, it's just kind of shitty. Yeah. But the match was good. I I enjoyed Kevin Owens' commentary again this week, and uh, probably the best thing that happened on SmackDown overall. Minus, well... Take that back, because the Charlotte Flair and Naomi match was was pretty good, too. But overall, I think this was the best segment of SmackDown.
2: I get what you're saying. I agree. Best segment, the other one probably would be the best, uh, whatchamacallit, match. All right, so we had a beat-the-clock match. Cool concept, but it basically just highlights that the program is trying to have a short match. If I'm making their tag team go after each other and try to have the shortest match and then have the other team later on we will talk about, uh, you know, try to beat that time. So American Alpha defeated the Colones. This was the first of the two beat-the-clock tag matches to determine the new number one contender for SmackDown's tag team champions and going against the Usos. American Alpha hit the Grand Altitude. Great sequence, too. They are really good in the ring. For the victory, setting the time to beat at 517. Afterwards, uh, Rusev made his appearance. Uh, on his hotel where he's eating small children. Um, you know, he's a scary-looking dude, I'm just saying. Uh, it was the first thing since the uh, shake-up and since he's been out for his injury, and basically said he wasn't happy with Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon uh, and that he would like... Basically, he's going to go back to Bulgaria if they don't give him a championship match at Money in the Bank, um, which the concept, if, if we had Rusev versus... Uh, gender for a championship match and money in the bank I will just laugh my ass off. Um I really won't laugh at that, that actually. That's 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 upsetting. Anyways, backstage Becky Lynch was asked about her feelings towards Charlotte, she was interrupted by Tamina, Natalia, uh Camella and James Ellsworth who's fucking still around for some goddamn reason, who warned that she was either with them or against them. Um, Becky was also once again and a ring gear and stuff, I'm pretty sure. So uh, I don't even know. But um, these three things, I thought the tag match was good. The Rusev thing's interesting. I wish she was getting actually the push instead of gender. Um, and backstage, the whole Becky Lynch thing was whatever. Chris, how'd you feel?
1: Well, the Rusev thing could be interesting if they booked it how I would book it after this gender fuck up which would be to actually give Jinder the title and have him hold it for a while, and then Rusev can be pissed about not getting a shot and then actually kind of do, like, I wouldn't say, like, a face turn, because Rusev, I don't think he'll ever be, like, a face. But it, it at least gives you a fucking interesting story of, like, this guy was undefeated for a year and didn't get a title shot. This asshole showed up, hadn't won in forever, and, ch- like, cheated his way to the championship. So it, it could be interesting. I don't think they're going to do that because it's WWE and that's way too fucking smart for them to do. They should hire me. Um, but, yeah, I wouldn't be interested in seeing that match, but the, at least the storyline building up to it would it, it make it interesting. Um, as far as the backstage segment with the women, I, it, when as soon as I saw it, I was like, well, that's the finish of the match. Because so, they're going to hold that title on Naomi until a pay-per-view. I'm assuming, and uh, the tag match itself. I thought the tag match was pretty good. Um, the Colognes are a good tag team when they're working and you know when they're when they're working serious when they're not doing the shining star stuff. They're they're pretty good. Um, the only thing about that I hate the clock matches because if you set a time in like the five minute range, you know the next match is going to be even shorter because that's just like WWE rushes matches in general. So like to think. Fandango and and uh, fuck, Tyler Breeze were going to get more than five minutes in the ring is, is pretty funny to even think about. So I kind of knew the finishes of both those matches, but the tag match itself was pretty good. Yeah,
2: I agree. Juwan, how do you feel?
3: Uh, it, almost exactly the same. Um, the tag team match was good. The the diva segment kind of did... Let you know exactly how the, how the main event was going to end, uh, which, like I said, they got to stop doing that because it does take away from some people who are as well-versed in the wrestling world as, as you guys are. You're watching and kind of go, I really need to watch the main event because I kind of feel like I know what's going to happen. Um, but, yeah, the tag team match is definitely uh, what I favored. I thought it was really good.
2: Yeah, I agree. Um I mean the thing is when when you are into wrestling and you see stuff coming, it sometimes it doesn't happen and that's that's what's great about when promotions, uh like the WWE, which I'll give WWE the credit they're due, there's there's a lot worse and I've seen a lot worse, obviously. They 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 can do great too. Uh it just depends, but yeah, I mean when you put two and two together, obviously that means something's gonna happen. But I guess that's, that's our fault for liking it so much. It's, it's me and Chris's fault. We're a piece of crap when it comes to that. So, sorry, everyone. Anyways, moving on to the no-DQ match. Randy Orton defeated Eric Rowan. Rowan was the first competitor to take advantage of the no-DQ stipulation, attacking Orton with a kendo stick. Orton then gained control of the kendo stick and used it to put Rowan through a table set up at ringside. Later, Rowan attacked... Orton with steel steps But he ended up losing after Orton threw him into the Steel chair wedge into the turnbuckle And then connected with the RKO After the match Orton said He did not know what the House of Horrors match is but that he would Find out Sunday Before he could leave the ring however Jinder Mahal came out and told him He was being overlooked and Disrespected saying Orton Shouldn't be worried about Bray Wyatt He should be worried about him The dude uh, came to blows, and Mahal gained the advantage with the help of the Bollywood boys. Mahal left the ring with the WWE World Championship in hand like a boss, climbing into his SUV limousine and driving away while hanging out of the sunroof holding the fucking title. Um, I'm going to personally just say that the match wasn't bad, but the segment afterwards was so funny. Even though I don't agree with what's going on, it was actually pretty entertaining to watch. I love how those motherfuckers just went in there and stole the titles like a bunch of gangsters. So, Juwan, um I think Jinder doesn't understand how you win the title. Uh, is it because he doesn't have a lot of experience <laughs> winning? Uh,
3: probably. Uh, <laughs> I mean, even though he should still uh, know from watching everybody else except for him win. Um, but yeah, no, it was it was very comical. Uh, like I said, it, it's just it's very upsetting because I feel in my in my core that this is going to be a squash type of thing with him and Orton and then we'll never see Jinder Mahal in a position like this uh, again. But it was definitely funny and uh, he's definitely making the most out of his opportunities.
2: Chris, how did you feel about Big Pimp and Jinder Mahal?
1: You know, uh, the match itself was fine. Uh, the it's just so weird that like Rowan is still going against Orton and Bray's not there. And it, this, this whole storyline is, I'm just kind of shitting on. So definitely the most like intriguing part of the entire thing was, was Pro promo. And I think he is, you know, trying to make the most out of his opportunity. I do think the opposite of Jawan though, I think they're going to put that title belt on him. Um, I don't know what they're going to do with Orton after that or where that builds, but I'm pretty sure they're going to put the title on him. There's enough – with the Bollywood boys, there's enough ways to cheat to get this title. And you have a title defense in between there against Bray, so it doesn't make Randy look too weak. But at the same time, it's, it's going to be terrible. And I mean, it could be something where even Bray shows up on the screen and it freaks Randy out even though he's not on SmackDown anymore. I mean, there's so many ways to book it so that Jinder gets the title that I just kind of see that's what's going to happen. Um, but, yeah, I think he's making the most out of his opportunity. I don't necessarily care for the gimmick he's rocking, but, you know, that's being said to him. There's not much he can do about it. And it was funny to see him still a title. I mean, there's, the title belt getting stolen is always funny. The only thing that would make it funnier is if he threw it off a bridge, like when The Rock threw Stone Cold's title off the bridge <laughs> and then like came, came back with some really weird-looking, fucked-up title. That'd be awesome. But, yeah, nah, I, it was okay. I didn't hate it. And, like I said, I don't dislike Jinder Mahal. I, I just think this is a weird situation they book their stuff into where if they don't give him a title, it's like Juwan says, if this is a squash match, and like, that's not going to help you with the fans in India either. They're going to be like, oh, well, you gave us a guy, and then you fucking demolished him. So it's a weird – they booked themselves into a weird situation, which makes me think he's
2: going to get the title. So strange. Shinder Mahal, champion. I mean, maybe Gronk comes and beats him by throwing a drink in his face, and then Gronkowski becomes the champion. Yeah! yeah. All right, I'm done with that. Let's go to the next match. Uh, my head hurts from going, I'm doing that. Um, beat the clock match. Uh, Brazongo. Oh, God damn it. Uh, defeated the Ascension. It's like they gave two guys, Rick Martel the model gimmick, and just it'll mix with, like, Bruce and Barbara Beefcake and just kind of push them forward. Maybe a little bit of Chuck and Billy, if you remember that shit. But, uh... This was the second of two beat-the-clock tag matches to determine the number one contender. Rizongo scored the victory with 2 minutes 36 to spare, hitting a supermodel kick from Tyler Breeze, followed by a falcon arrow from Fandango on Victor. Rizongo are your new number one contenders for the SmackDown Tag Team Championship. Um, all right, I'm going to go to Chris first, but they don't necessarily win. Do, do you feel very similar with them, you know, getting this number one contender shot as you do with gender, or is it less or what?
1: Well, because of the stipulation, it's way less. Because this is like a stipulation match, and they wrestled the Ascension, who also doesn't win. So it's not that far-fetched for them to get the win. One weird Good thing question. for me with uh, with with Fandango is, like, his overall look and in-ring ability, if they didn't saddle him with such a shit gimmick, he probably could have been a pretty decent, like, star. So, like, every time I see him, I just get disappointed. <laughs> but other than that, the technique... Well, team but their in-ring work is good. Yeah, and, I like, if they didn't saddle him with that Fandango gimmick, like, if they would have just did something different, I think that the conversation about him as a wrestler would be a lot different a lot of times. But, yeah, it. other than that, the match was, was pretty decent. It was, I mean, it was a quick match. It, it is what it was. And, yeah, I have no problem with the Usos going against uh, uh, Breeze and Fandango. The question is, is like, are they going to have another one of these matches with the New Day, and the New Day is going to win and beat the time? That's my guess is what's going to happen, and then they're going to go New Day versus the Usos. Because I don't think this beat the clock thing is done yet.
2: I think you're right about that. I didn't even think about that. There being another team, but yeah, that would, that would make a lot of sense. Juan, how, how do you feel about Brazango?
3: Oh God. Um, I, I don't even think I have words to describe. Um, oh my goodness. Uh, <laughs> um, I mean, I, I kind of do agree with Chris. Uh, I mainly blame us as fans. Uh, cause I think it was the night after WrestleMania. Uh, The whole, you know, everyone singing his theme song in the crowd. It only furthered Vince's ego of thinking that gimmick could work for Fandango. And then when the crowd got behind it for as long as they did, they were just like, we're going to literally ride this into the ground. Um, And he does seem like he's a really good in-ring talent. And if he didn't have the Fandango persona uh, attached to him, he he definitely could be... uh, a respected U.S. or intercontinental champion. Um, so I think that gimmick kind of does sully it a little bit. Um, but I don't really have any issues with with, with him, per se. It's just the, the gimmick. I, I really hate the gimmick.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, I, I can agree with you on that. We'll see more with this whole entire tag team thing next week. Let's get to our main event. SmackDown Women's Championship match. Naomi uh, and Charlotte Flair had the main event and had a probably very, very competitive back-and-forth affair with numerous near-falls. And the match came to an end when Tamina, Natalia, and Camilla, uh, Camella, whatever the fuck her name is, interfered, beating them both down and resulting in a no contest. Match was really good. Um, I guess a good way to end it so we don't have to have – because I didn't think they were going to put the title on on Charlotte this quickly. The only thing is that does not make sense – From a booking standpoint, you had a part where Becky Lynch was basically told, you know, our way or the highway, and she's never been a person to, like, listen to people like that. She has someone that, even though they have uh, a bad past, they used to be partners with Charlotte, and Naomi's the other baby face. So you would have thought that if they were going to end it like that, they would have had her running down to the ring with her music. Maybe it was too similar to what, um, uh, what's his name, Uh, Sammy did the week before, or the night before, but... I don't know. Uh, it just seems like that was right there for that spot, and they didn't even do anything. And it kind of had. I mean, I guess I guess it's, it's okay to have the heels win, but this this team of heels, I don't give a shit about. So I guess that's my biggest thing, uh, Chris. How do how do you feel about this last match?
1: Uh, the match itself, I liked a lot. I, I'm still looking forward to, their uh, like a pay per view match between those two, where they get some time to work because they're they're doing unique things that like. You don't really see other females doing. I mean, Sasha to an extent was Charlotte, but Naomi's different. She works a a different style. I think it could be really interesting, and I look forward to their matches going forward. I just hate the fact that they're going to have to fight this, like, crew of heels, because next week we're going to get – what's going to happen is we're going to get Becky, Lance, Charlotte, and Naomi versus Carmella and Natalya and whoever else attacked her. I can't remember who it was, but I'm assuming that's what's – what's going to happen. Maybe not. Either way, it's leading to a tag match player,
2: So <laughs> be on the lookout for the tag match next week. So
3: even
2: though, so even though <laughs> Becky Lynch didn't come out and help them, it'll still end up on a three and three tag match. You're probably right. Uh, maybe then she, she, she turns on all of them and Becky Lynch is going to go heel. You know, I just, I just said that and I thought about it. And they, even though I would hate that they could possibly be doing that. Juwan, how would you feel if Becky Lynch goes heel? And how'd you feel about the match?
3: I'd love it. I'd love it. I want to see uh, Becky Lynch and Charlotte go toe-to-toe uh, and kind of see if they can uh, kind of reverse roles almost. what Charlotte did. Well, well, I was, yeah, I was going to say kind of top what uh, Charlotte did with um, Sasha on on Raw. Uh, I think Becky Lynch has the potential to, uh, to kind of outdo Sasha uh, as far as in, in-ring ability and um, – you know, chemistry-wise with uh, with Charlotte because Charlotte works so well uh, with people who know what they're doing in the ring and who aren't Nia Jax. Um, But, yeah, I'm really interested in seeing that storyline, Becky Lynch versus Charlotte, uh, them swapping um, Charlotte becoming the, uh, the face, Becky Lynch becoming the heel, and them fighting it out for the title.
2: Hmm. Very interesting. I like that whole concept. I definitely want to see a little more of Charlotte going back with Naomi, but I definitely think that that could be maybe an endgame sort of result, if she does turn heel, because it was weird that she wasn't there at the end. You would think that would happen, and then if she joins their team, kind of force herself to become the leader, it could be interesting. But, guys, we got less than five minutes left of the show, and we had a hell of a show. We went over everything. We talked a lot, jokes, um, made love. Um, actually, I don't think we did any of that, but uh, maybe, Juwan, were you making love at all? Uh, don't answer that. Don't worry about it. Anyways, we had a good time. So I'm I'm going to basically pass it to my two co-hosts uh, to say goodbye, and I'll ask them one question since we have a couple of minutes. Um, you can have either a team or a faction of four, so one to four people. If you could put – I don't know, a couple people on one team for or Raw SmackDown, who would you pick? Juwan, I'm going to make this hard for you and make you go first, so stumble a lot.
3: All right, what was her name, uh, the NXT Women's Champion? Asuka. Asuka, uh, Nakamura, um, Finn Balor, and Becky Lynch. That's oh, what
2: i that's go with. That's a devastating team. All right, that's, I like it. Uh, Chris? Christopher? fire? <laughs> Chris, are you there? Him, he, you know. Yeah. yeah house,
1: sorry. But... Sorry. Sorry. I'm here. Um. Yes. Yeah, so no. Uh, <laughs> Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns is a heel. Anderson and Gallo and Samoa Joe.
2: Oh, I love that. that. That yeah. would be a lot of fun. All right. I would. I would call these. I don't know what I would call them exactly. Uh. Something. It would be a concept of like a four horseman, but. When Bobby Roode, um, Roderick Strong, and Cassius Ono make their debut, them and Austin Aries all in a group that's kind of like a modern Four horseman. But don't call it a Four Horseman because that's not classy. Unless you're Charlotte Flair, then you can do whatever the fuck you want. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> it's, been a, it's been a fun night. I hope you guys enjoyed a good episode and us talking about wrestling. We're going to do it every week unless one of us calls out, and then we won't do it that week, and you know, we'll do it the week after that, unless someone... But, but you, you get what I'm saying. Almost every fucking week, us, wrestling, Wednesday nights, make it your thing, 8 to 10, a lot of fun. And um, always good on Geek Vibes Nation. Uh, definitely listen to Saturday to the podcast, and we're going to have a great time going over the news on Geek Vibes Live. So everyone out there, you guys have a good one. I just got a nice little song to like end us out. Oh, get a little rocket. Hollywood style. <laughs>